Hey folks, another episode of the Insecurity Project podcast. We're in for another treat today. I have a live coaching demonstration. Penny has been gracious enough to volunteer to be coached and to have you all listening. It's a big deal. So if you're listening in, only love and respect for Penny. And I'm sure you'll find yourself in her journey. That's the whole reason I do this. You can't help but try it on and to think about how you would handle their situations and to understand the coaching directive and how it might apply to you. So um, Penny, thanks so much for being willing to do this on the podcast today. My absolute pleasure. Now, you've been on the podcast before. You've had some incredible breakthroughs over the years in terms of applying this content to your life. Um, I've seen you do some cool things in the world with business lately and to be really, uh, yeah, finding yourself. So I love that in the judgment-free space, this is not about success or failure or what you should be doing or shouldn't be doing. It's just about getting more of what you want. So like there, there's no judgment around not getting, like feeling stuck. And I think that's a big deal for people. People are so often beating themselves up around, why am I not succeeding? Why is this not working for me? I must be doing something wrong. And if I'm doing something wrong, I must be wrong. So it's a big deal to get out of the judgment space and just be here. But the moment you can just be here, then you can see the mechanics of why you're here and then you can optimize and change it. So uh, yeah, judgment-free space. I, I'm, I'm not impacted by your results. I don't need anything from you. You know, you understand how I work, I'm sure. So give me a bit of a window about what's happening here now for you, uh, what's not the way you'd like it to be and, and what you're hoping to get out of this conversation. Thanks, Jamin. Um, well, I feel like in my life, last time we spoke, I was definitely in a really high stage of um, weight loss journey, um, personal development. You know, here we are, I think like two or three years later, time flies, who knows. Um, COVID's hit, uh, life's still really good. And now I'm probably more focusing on my business. Um, you know, I've made it to the top 2% of my company, but I'm still feeling like um, there's insecurities that hold me back from maybe being able to help others do what I do. So I guess from a coaching perspective, I'm really looking you know, I think last time we spoke, you called me out on a couple of things, which I think was really... Doesn't um, sound like me. Well, no, it, it, no, I think I actually gave you credit and you were like, actually, sorry, Penny. No, you can't do that. Um, <laughs> you know, we, I, I struggle sometimes with owning, um, you know, we all have gifts and talents and stuff like that. And clearly, um, I like to think of myself as quite a positive per person, but I really I have that... Um, you know, that gut feeling, which I want to be able to help more people be positive. But in saying that, how do I do that? How do I unlock my own insecurities? Because I, like everyone else, have highs and lows, have people around me um, that don't necessarily build me up the way that I would like, which, again, I'm not even sure if that's something I should even give the power that I do. So, you know, I'm like, I'm in a good place in my life. Um, as I said, business is amazing. But I know that there is so much more potential to help people. Um, and when I meet those people doing it, I'm like, I want to be that person, not for the financial gain that it will give me, but for the impact I can do with the financial blessings in that space um, and the people it means that I've impacted to get there. So, you know, I'm excited just to have a kind of open conversation and see where this goes and see maybe um, you know, what I can unlock personally so that I can be more vulnerable with people and hopefully um, share more of what I feel is inside me, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. So why is that important for you? Like I understand it's kind of, oh, yeah, it'd be nice and there are some benefits others would receive. But, um, you know, coaching is really a conversation around readiness for change. And because it's not 
about me going, oh, great, let me encourage you and help you to do that because I think that's a great thing too. It's like, oh, you know, change is hard and it requires a high level of readiness. So why is it, you know, why is that an important thing for you to achieve in this season of your life? Um, I think because, you know, and it's that whole thing again where I'm, I'm wanting to put always the emphasis of what I can do for others and I shouldn't. I, I've got to really sit in the space of, well, why do I need this? Why do I need to be seen um, as a person of value in the world? Like it is. And I think, again, you know, all the twins out there are going to say, well, you know, being a twin is um, the most incredible experience ever, but you are constantly compared to someone else. So I guess my... Um, you know, identity is someone who wants to be seen. So I want to feel like I have value in the world. And um, previously, you know, I do teaching, but I can only ever teach in one school. So it's like 20 years, half of my life, I've been a part of the same school community, which doesn't necessarily align with, um, like it aligns with my values, but they don't necessarily treat people the way that I would like to be treated. So it's a, it's a, a bit of a dysfunctional relationship in that way. Um, for lots of feelings and I won't go too much into that but anyway um so you know I was a teacher and then I was a stay-at-home mum um and now I've come out of that you know stage and the kids are at school and one's starting high school and um you know my husband's always been the sole provider and I I really do want to step be able to step back into that position of um ownership over my own life control over my own life you know if, um a big why for my business is financial independence um, and I've done a little bit of work, you know, trying to process is that, you know, what would that mean if I have financial independence? Because as a female, sometimes that can be um, scary, like, you know, and a lot of people, a lot of women don't find it scary, but I think a lot of women do find it scary because how will we be valued in our relationships, um, you know, and so for me, I think that is a key, you know, for me to be in a position of leadership in my business, which is where I'm at, but I know, as I said, I'm at the cusp of, the bottom end of the top and you know I feel like in a second that could go you know it's not the same as having a secure job where you're well actually is anything in life really secure to be honest but it's it's I'm in direct marketing so it's not the same as when you're employed by employee I am my own provider of the work that I put in and I am still you know relying on other people to obviously have the same work work ethic which not everyone does so yeah does that answer the question uh, it does yeah I understand uh, so what's what's dangerous about being seen then? Well, I think being, um, and I didn't realise this in my own life, but actually uh, I became a Christian when I was 19 and finding that identity in that space and then not really fitting in ever um, because I'm not the traditional, you know, like, you know, there's all these, everyone has boxes, you know, and everyone has preconceived ideas and all those things. So while I definitely um, love my faith, I've never really fitted in into the, um the church family as such I've never found my home uh, I've got a group of Christian girls who are awesome but you know this is where it comes down to like um oh, like you know just so it, with the financial independence and all that stuff I've played I've played the traditional role for a long time in my marriage in the staying at home with the children so stepping out of that is it is it traditional is it not is it submissive is it is it not am I do I become too arrogant when I have money you know all of those things because I don't want to be arrogant I want to be impactful but I'm you know dominant because I have opinions but I don't want to be pushy and you know as a female like it's you know it's all those juggles between wanting to be um, you know the happy wife but also wanting to be seen yeah. 
so yeah, if you are seen and what if you're seen doing the wrong thing and then having all the eyes on you because you've stepped up and out, then it reveals that you're doing the wrong thing or the bad thing and then judgment and, um, or perhaps you don't like yourself, what you see, you've ventured from where you thought you'd be going. So, um, yeah, I get the one party wants to be seen, the other party is going, ah, being seen can be problematic. And I'm very, like, I am passionate. And my, for words, which I'm sure my husband would not like, but he says, you know, you always do everything full on. And I was like, well, that's my integrity. I don't want to do something half ass, half, you know, way. <laughs> um, but, it's you know, nasty, it's, it's okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, in the relationship, you you know, I, I do fear that when I get really excitable, which I used to, you know, I do when I when I was at, you know, when I was going to church and, you know, when you say the Holy Spirit, you get excited. I'm that excitable personality that has this energy that it is contagious, but not everyone loves that full on energy. And so, you know, you do, I do fear losing some of those people that I don't want to lose, you know, for, for whatever reason they don't celebrate me in my um, joyous state of energy. <laughs> that sounds terrible anyway. Yeah. I understand. So this is a dilemma that's not peculiar to you, by the way. Mm. Very, very predictable thing. Yeah. Um, what do you do? Do you do you keep being the person that people want you to be and expect you to be, and therefore stay part of the tribe, stay liked, accepted, or do mm. you tell the truth? Do you lean into what's sacred to you and mm. get better at being the person you really think you can be? Uh, in spite of what may go wrong in the world around that. So big dilemma. And most people um, balk at this and, and then end up dying with the music inside them and mm. end up experiencing, yeah, that's, uh -uh, that's not me. <laughs> end up experiencing the five regrets of the dying. Yes. Um, I, I had a, a client who was an, an end of life pain specialist a few years ago. And that was the reason we did coaching because he was constantly surrounded by people um, suffering at the end of their life. And he said, Jamin, you might imagine their biggest source of suffering is physical because their bodies are in pain as, as one by one parts of their body are failing. That's not why they're suffering. <laughs> they are in agony over the disappointments, the regrets, the heartaches of a life half lived or unlived or the shoulda, woulda, couldas. And just watching that day in day out was enough for him to go, my goodness, um, I don't want to end up like that. I, I've got to make some changes now. I've got to lean in and be who I want to be because uh, that's that's a that's a horrible fate to end up there. So uh, I understand what you're going through and I think a very common experience. So uh, before we go any further, I think really important just to then highlight the exact nature of the problem that you're facing. So um, the desire to be seen and to step up and to serve and to reach potential is seems really important to you. Um, but how do you do that? How does anyone actually just be seen? How does anyone go from being seen half or a quarter or a third or whatever percentage you think you're being seen to going, okay, world, I'm here, look at me and, and survive and succeed in that? What, what do you think? would have to happen for a human being to make that switch in a way that works? Well, I think I remember saying to someone with the financial independent, when I actually shared with them what I earned, they said, well, why is that not financially independent? That is the same to, you know, if you look at different job titles or different, you know, income earning, that is independent. And I was like, oh, 
So I think I know that it actually is more of an internal acceptance of who you want to be rather than um, an actual like number or a like an actual thing that you can, you know, I just need to be okay that not everyone's going to like me. <laughs> not everyone's going to celebrate me. Um, you know, what I'm doing is not to, is not for everyone. Um, and then sitting in that space and really truly believing in it, you know, um, is what I really need to do because then I think I could share more open and honestly about what it takes to be the person that I am and, and what I'm doing so others can follow. If that there's sure there's a diagnosis that I use a diagnostic around problem solving that I think is very useful I'm not sure if you've heard me describe it before but when you think about a problem and and your best guess around the around what the problem is if that leaves you feeling overwhelmed uh, then that's clean feedback around the fact you haven't accurately solved the problem you haven't actually sorry you haven't accurately understood the problem so I guess that's not the first time that you've thought that's the solution I just need to not really think about what others or not be worried about what others think and just believe that I'm okay and be internally referenced. I'm sure you've thought that a hundred times, if mm -hmm. not more, um, yet here you are. So if you're honest, I'm not sure that's a believable plan. And what I'm suggesting is that's good news because the reason that's not a believable plan is just accurate feedback that you haven't understood what the problem is. No, that's good. So. What is what is the problem? Great. That's the right question because, you know, what problem are you most looking to solve right now? Question one. Question two, are you sure? Are you sure that that's actually the problem? Because if you yeah. start too early swinging away at solving a problem that's not actually the problem, you might feel the early progress of energy and activity, but it's disillusionment and discouragement that follow because, you know, it's, it's a Band-Aid solution. So. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, can I can I pose an idea to you, a reframe around the problem, and see how it fits? See if you think. Absolutely. Yes, please. So, uh, your success must be safe. Mm -hmm. And so, there's a lot of rhetoric around courage and determination and discipline being the most important things for human success. And so you just get a clear idea of what you want and then you go hard and you just get there. You just do it. You just work. And it seems like there are some people that seem to make that work and they're celebrated in our culture. Mm. Um, but the problem is you look at those people and then you reflect back on yourself and you think, well, the only assumption is then I clearly don't have enough discipline, determination, willpower, courage. So if I had more, then I'd just, I'd just do it. Um, but that's it just misses the point of how how we are wired every cell in our body is hardwired for protection preservation instinctively mm. you step off the curb and without consciously being aware your your peripheral vision and unconscious sensory system has scanned and seen a car coming and instinctively pulls you back like that that that's not a conscious decision there's some instinct to keep you alive you can't turn that off. And so the dilemma you're facing right now is your conscious desire to be seen is coming up against an, a, a level of unsafety, a level of, yeah, but that's too dangerous. It's, it's you step up and out, the downsides outweigh the upsides right now because it's too dangerous. So mm -hmm. it's as though uh, the safety officers come on site and said, listen, Penny, um, yeah, great. I want you to be seen too, but not under these conditions. 
that's going to cost you too much. So, so then the central dilemma being you don't have permission to be seen from yourself, not anyone else. It's your own self stopping you from being seen. Mm. I remember a podcast you were talking this exact same thing. I remember running and thinking, uh, yep, putting the brakes on myself and I didn't even realise I was doing it. And Sorry to cut you off. You go. <laughs> no, I was going to say um, because I clearly keep running for these achievements that are in the top 2% of a you know billion-dollar company. Like clearly I've got the will to want to be doing it, but then when I do it, it's like I, well, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what happens because if I can do that, why do I not keep going? Well, because you're being stopped is why you can't keep going. Your unconscious is stronger than your conscious. Mm-hmm. So it has all kinds of really creative ways to pull you up, to get in your way, to sabotage you. And when people first hear that, they think, well, that's annoying. My own unconscious is ruining my life. It doesn't sound very fun. But when you understand it in the context of safety, it's just love. We only protect that which we value. So the unconscious is going, your setup is not safe. You do not have the infrastructure to survive by stepping up and out. It will end in tears. So I'm not saying don't. I'm saying improve the infrastructure. So I love this question. If you think about the safety officer with a clipboard in front of you going tools down, I'm resisting you now. Um, then the question is, well, what conditions would maybe need to be satisfied before you can power up, before you can step up and out, before you can actually follow through on your intention to serve the world, to be seen, to show up as your best and to not be, not be held back, not be sabotaged in that? Mm. Yeah, I do. I actually think that's really relevant. And I think, you know, owning how or res- no, not own, is owning the right word. You know how um, being a giver, and I, I remember hearing another thing that you spoke about, and you're always constantly giving to other people, but then when it's not reciprocated or, you know, when you're treated badly, then you go into the victim mentality. But I think um, if you really truly value yourself, when people do things, you can, co- I mean, I've been even challenged in my business through coaching with my business, coaching upwards or coaching outwards, like actually saying, you know, no, what, what's happened to me is not okay and therefore I can actually put boundaries up so that I don't continually working with in situations that are making me feel unvalued or um, unsafe or frustrated or whatever. And I think, I, actually, I know until this point, I actually don't ever speak up. Um, and not saying I'm completely submissive for whoever you know, is listening, but I don't probably have the confidence to say, actually, what you did was not okay and I'm not going to allow that to happen again. So that therefore I don't continue to go round and round in circles because I do. I go round and round in circles. I've been going round and round in circles since I wrote a diary when I was, you know, 15 in relationships. Like because I'm very good at making the best of a situation, but what I'm not doing is changing the situation. (laughs) Yeah, great. So that's on the list. So your unconscious going, yeah, that's I understand that's how you've rolled, but it's Mm. dangerous. Mm. It costs you, especially if you step up and out where there'll be less margins and Mm. more impact and higher stakes. Yeah. Um, you can get away with that now. You can't get away with it there. Mm. If you want it, you've got to be ready for that. You know, do I really want to step up into the light and have those things? Have I really, you know, looked at what that would be like? And maybe, you know, I'm looking to have um, more conversations. Sorry for that bird. That bird is being so loud. Um, it's very distracting. Uh, you know, having more conversations with people who are doing the things that I can see myself doing and having those coaching, not even coaching, those conversations with them to realise 
what's you know because I think sometimes my fear of what I think it is is also stopping me from um thinking I'm good enough to do it yeah of course and this is well I value myself and I'm actually in a position where I'm going to do these things so if you want to come along these are the things you know these are the what this is the respect that it takes to be in a business relationship you know to make something positive but I probably don't do that I just constantly go oh that's okay that's okay that's okay and therefore I'm like worn down by the mess that I allow to be in my table Great. So again, you look at that and go, well, just stop that. You've probably said that to yourself a hundred times. Just don't do that. Just, but then you've got to manage yourself all the time. So what I'm suggesting, if you can understand the mechanics of that, the predictable nature of that, and what the safety officer is actually requiring of you, then it's simple and hard, not complicated, not overwhelming. There's work to do, but it's it's work that you're well able to do just as soon as you get eyes on it. So you might have heard me talk about... Uh, the generalization of this because people midlife this is predictable this is so predictable you can you can survive first half of life driving forcing fighting and you've got energy to waste you can get it done and um and because you probably haven't experienced as much success in the first half of life the stakes aren't as high so you can just kind of but you start to work out a few things and start to get good at something then the stakes increase your focus increases and then all of a sudden your system goes, yeah, this is not capable of sustaining what you want. So that's every every adult, every adult, especially the adults trying to do something good in the world. It mm. just really is so predictable. So if you think about it as a predictable problem, there must be some generalizations to the safety officer's checklist. Mm. You have your own version of this, but just try these on and just think about these four areas that are that are going to be on the list one way or, or another. Um, the first is, and I, I've definitely promise you this is on the list the first is trust and you don't mm-hmm. trust yourself and uh the reason i can be so clear about saying that is just when you are honest around what goes through your heart and your your mind in these situations around well what if i get wealthy and then i become arrogant you know what if i go up and then i kind of lose my character integrity what if i change as a person i don't know like can i handle wealth can i handle success can i handle the light maybe the light's dangerous maybe you know so there's this there's this uncertainty about your own character and integrity which which is surprising because on another level you pride yourself on your character and integrity Mm. but behavior never lies and so your unconscious going listen um I know you think we have a great relationship, but you do not trust me. You think the worst of me. You manage me. Mm. Can we not do that? Like, could we have a conversation around why you manage me? Could we have a conversation around the situations where you feel like bad things have come out and you've gone, oh, I've just seen something about myself that I didn't like. I'm now going to live in, you know, to, in the fallout of that and manage myself so that that doesn't happen again. Um, does that make sense yes yeah yeah no it definitely does I feel like um you know I've always like my like I feel like I'm you know like we all do following in the footsteps of our mothers and trying not to relive things even though our lives are totally different to our mothers and our fathers but I do feel like constantly I'm aware of that and therefore trying not to do the same thing that she did which was not have any financial independence not be loved, not be valued, not shine. Like she is a beautiful um, person and and just was not valued for who she was or celebrated for who she was in her marriage and eventually waited till we were old enough and then got out. But I never got to see her happy. So my fear is like, you know, will 
am I following those footsteps and am I, you know, am I truly happy or am I being celebrated? I, I don't know. Yeah. Sure. Again, another example of not understanding the problem because mm-hmm. when you think about that, as you have thought about that over the years, a thousand times, no doubt, mm-hmm. it's an unsolvable problem. You're like, it looks clear that I've followed in my mother's footsteps. I've seen where that ended up for her. I hope it doesn't end up end up like this for me, but I don't know how to stop it. It just yeah. seems like a thing that's happening to me that I'm yeah. not a part of. Where I'm not taking control again. But the point is you've misunderstood the power your mum had. Mm. So your generalization is evidence of this language. You know, you said, you know, we all just follow in our mother's footsteps. Well, I don't know if we do. (laughs) And and here's the thing, because if that were true, then good mothers, like every child would end up like their parents. (laughs) Just it doesn't work out like that. And the, the reason it doesn't work out like that Don Miguel, Don Miguel Ruiz, The Four Agreements, I think he said it best, most precisely, no one. No one has the power to bless you or curse you without your permission. So yeah. this is a hard pill for pill to swallow, and many people will not swallow this pill. It, it feels too much for them. Um, the real action that shaped your life is not your mother's model. It's when you watch your mother modeling that you saw yourself in her and agreed that that was how you, your life would go as well. That that was the road you would choose. You agreed, you signed up, you Mm. tied yourself to her model as, as your best chance of being loved, accepted, certain, safe, significant, you chose it. She couldn't have chosen it for you. Mm. So there's no blame on you choosing that. And when you chose it, it might not have looked like you had any other options. Mm. Um, but I, I'm not sure if you heard me, heard me tell this story. Um, all, all with the sense of, you know, thinking about trust, because in order for you to choose your mother's model, you've actually betrayed yourself. Mm. As, as a young girl, you've shown up as you, which is different from your mother, no matter what similarities you have, you are you, you are unique. There's only one of you. You've shown up as you and you've noticed a problem with you. You've noticed you being you gets you punished or gets you ostracized or gets you judged or gets you hurt. So you went, hmm, I can't can't afford to be me. You look around and go, well, I could be like her. That seems to work okay. Um, And if there's a problem with me, then I better find a way not to be me Mm. and in in the doing of that you separate from yourself now this it's really important to see it like that and to see the part you played in that because if you can see the part you played in that then you understand you're not a victim of your environment or your family and and the real mechanics of what happened was that you you chose and in in making that choice you also abandon yourself and so uh, you want to trust yourself again, you're going to have to go back there. You're going to have to go back to the very beginning and examine that choice. Mm. And, and if you can see it as a choice, that is your hope. If you can't see it as a choice, if you don't want to see it as a choice, then there is no hope. Uh, yeah. I had a client recently who had a terrible experience of losing his mother, um, I think when he was seven or eight, and uh, and the impact of that on his world was catastrophic. Mm. Um, a family member came to him and said, son, you're going to have to dry your eyes and sober up because if you keep grieving, mm. your, your dad's not going to be able to cope and he's going to die too. Mm. So 
imagine that experience as an eight-year-old. And he said the the weight of that and that the, that impact on him just changed his life instantly. Mm. And he points to that as a life-changing experience and a big reason why he is the way that he is today and feels like, well, that, that half my mum did die. Yes, and a family member did say that to me and I had to just sober up for my dad. So I have no choice and that's just how I am. Um, but the key bit of thinking, if you're willing, is to go, I asked him, um, did you obey every adult when they said every every single request to you when you before you were eight? Mm. Well, no, of course not. Great. Mm. So then on some level, what happened was you decided to agree with this adult and obey this adult when they said you cannot grieve, you must not. There's a problem with you grieving. That's going to cost you and your family, so don't. So that moment of separating from yourself is is the problem, is the central thing. And he survived and managed and done all kinds of success, but like you to level up, can't level up with that unresolved, that level of mistrust, that level of betrayal, that level of separation. You don't trust your nature. How are you supposed to survive in the world? You're questioning, well, like, can I handle it? Am I going to be okay? Will I be arrogant? Will I become a bad person? Well, then, of course, your unconscious is like, with that uncertainty, there is no way I'm giving you more success. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know what you're going to do with it. And, yeah. you, and, and the unkindness of it is you think the worst unconsciously. You are afraid your own self will lead you astray. When you really understand what that means to you, that, that is so unfair and so unkind and based on a misunderstanding um, mm. so I understand, you know, there's a lot of stuff here, but to frame the problem is, is how I feel I can serve you most right now to get you into a space where you see it as simple and hard, mm-hmm. not complicated, not unique, not overwhelming. Um, but just checking, how does that feel like this idea that this trust issue is number one on the list? How does that feel to you? No, that's so, I, I do resonate with that big time. <laughs> I do, because I do feel like every time I've stepped into a new step, even with my faith, even with my, you know, fitness, with my job, every time I do something, I have definitely felt abandoned by an area of my life that I didn't want to leave behind. You know, so when coming into faith, it was like, oh, hang on, you've got your faith, your family don't have your faith, or well, now you're choosing sides. So I'm constantly feeling like, I'm, and being a twin, I don't want to choose sides. Do you know what I mean? I, I, that's the least of my like that's the biggest fear that I have in the world is feeling disconnected to people or, um, you know, yeah, not having that relationship and stuff like that. So I feel like the fear is exactly like what you said. <laughs> yeah. Sure. So the great thing around trust being repaired is it doesn't take time to rebuild trust. It just takes an effective apology. Mm, to myself. Mm. To yourself to go back and be willing to examine that, that, the woundedness caused by that and any other versions of that just to to go back and be willing to, um, to articulate why that happened. Um, is, there a, is there a thing, you know, with like obviously speaking to yourself, is there, have you had any um, like experience with twins? Because sometimes I think even with owning it myself, I feel like I'm kind of, um, you know, I just want her or I want someone to be with me all the time. Like I want someone to hold my hand. So even in, in dealing, dealing with this situation and, and seeing the problem, it's, it's straight out. It's between me and myself. I, I'm struggling to mentally realise that I'm going to have to do this on my own. Mm. Uh, I'm not a twin and <laughs> I don't know what it's like being a twin, um, but I am a human and I am part of a family and I think the generalisation around the fact that, as Freud said, 
breaking free from the nest is the greatest mm. challenge of every human being. And there are huge forces at work that that work against freedom from the nest, but all dysfunction stems from staying in the nest, whatever form the nest takes. Yeah. Uh, I think everyone has their own version of, I don't want to do it on my own. I don't, I'm afraid of doing it on my own. I don't think I can do it on my own. And this dependency, this childlike dependency, because when we're kids, we're always dependent, obviously, but being an adult is about becoming self-sufficient. So that's cutting all the cord, all the external dependencies and finding internal sources of that. It's not just twins that struggle with that. <laughs> Everyone struggles with that. So I think, again, the generalisation to feel like, um, I don't know if you saw that video I did the other day, eating the apple about special, not special. No, but I have heard you talk about that. And I do like that when I did love, and I remember when I first said, you're not special. It's not special. It's well, just... you're special. Your problem's not special. That's yeah. that's the thing. You think your problem's special and you're not special. <laughs> you can just go, yeah. no. There's only one of you, but it is not a special problem. It is not. And while you treat it like a special problem, you need a special solution, you get stuck. But if you go, oh, okay, general human dilemma, there must be a way of thinking about this in a general way, then that's that roadmap then becomes apparent. So mm -hmm. let me just let me run through these four and see where you mm -hmm. think the most work is. So obviously there's some work to do around trust, but it's beautiful work, it's meaningful work. Um I couldn't think of anything more wonderful than restoring trust with someone that I loved, especially if that person who loved me wanted me to restore trust with them. It's not like you're trying to restore trust with an enemy who hates you, who has no desire to reconnect, just someone who is desperate, waiting, wishing, longing to be connected and restored. So not waiting with a bat trying to, you know, exact punishment or revenge, just would you be willing to come back and, and examine some stuff that's gone down in the past where you, you betrayed, you separated from me? Um, trust. Num number two is, is operating system and specifically referring to six core needs. So you've heard me talk about six core needs, mm -hmm. I assume, uh, and you've kind of referred to this in terms of your need for external validation or approval or certainty. Uh, again, the generalization is every child must look outside themselves for certainty, variety, significance, love, contribution, growth. They cannot possibly find it internally. Um, however, as you age, that provides incredible vulnerability and fragility in the world. Because if you require people to love you, see you, accept you, validate you, provide certainty for you, then you have to play the game their way. Exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> well, yeah. and you have to. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing strange, of course. No problem there. Um, however, if you want to play your game your way, you'll step out and then you'll you'll cut off all the fuel source and you'll starve mm. to death. Mm. You have to retreat with your tail between your legs and you might only get one attempt at that. Sometimes people override this you know, lack of permission with courage and they just fight themselves even further. I'm just going to do it anyway. I don't care what anyone thinks. And then they get out and have a really bad experience and it's so traumatic and embarrassing and terrifying. They go, I will never do that again. I don't have any dreams anymore. I'm just here to serve others' dreams. Or then that's the point where they finally put their own dreams on hold and transfer all energy to their kids, mm -hmm. all energy to others, and they become a non-person. Mm -hmm. um, so predictable work, hard work, but what else could be more meaningful than 
uh, adulting up. You've worked out how to be an adult physically and financially. Okay, what about emotionally, relationally, psychologically, spiritually? To to realize that is your job, and and to want that job, realizing that if you could do a better job than everybody else, you really could. Mm. Uh, you you know my my rings when I learned six core needs, um. That, that ring there was the day that I learned that as, a, as an equal commitment to the, to the wedding ring I've got in my other hand to go, I want the job. I don't know how to do it, but I want the job. I'm not trialing for the job. I'm not seeing if I'm capable. I'll give me the job and I've got the job. I will be the guy that gives myself validation. I will see me. That's my job. <laughs> and I will give myself certainty. I will back myself. And that's because um, I've, if you kind of, um, think about the transition to adulthood at other other times. I don't know how nervous you were driving for the first time or the first time you were home alone or the first time you had to navigate a public transport or first time you had to go and see a teacher on your own or those things you build up in your head. You think there's no way I could do that. It's just, it's an impossible thing. I will die. And then somehow you do it and you go, huh, I didn't die. Mm. Well, that's a surprise. And if I could do that, I wonder what else I could do. And then slowly you prove to yourself you are stronger than you thought. You are more capable and you build success reference points. You demonstrate capability, capacity, maturity to yourself by facing up to life. So this is just another one of those. You're like, it doesn't look like you're capable. It doesn't look like you could survive on your own. Sure. But if you don't, you end up codependent for the rest of your life and you die with the music inside you. So this pain of an unfulfilled life and the desire of a fulfilled life is central to motivation. That is your driver. You lose sight of it. That this gets too hard. You get in touch with it. And you know, that provides the energy. So trust is definitely on the list. An upgraded operating system, definitely on the list because it's unsafe to be externally referenced in the world. Um, number three is to gamify your life. Have you heard me talk about gamification? I don't think I have actually. Uh, I think it's my favorite subject at the moment. Uh, just because it provides a metaphor that is really clean and judgment free. So typically people are thinking about life as it's just happening to me. It is what it is. These are the things I should do. Others want me to do. These are kind of my patterns and non-negotiables. doesn't feel like a game. It really doesn't. And, and maybe it isn't a game, but, but the value of metaphors is that when you use a metaphor, it combines, it compares something you know with something you don't. So if I say to you, that person's a snake, like mm. you don't know what that person is, but you know what snakes are like. You go, uh-huh, snakes are dangerous, snakes are sneaky, snakes hide in the grass, snakes are poisonous, snakes can kill you. I understand now that there's something about this guy that's dangerous. I'll, I'll be careful. So that gives you a grounding. It gives you something to connect to. It helps you go into an unknown area. So you got life, you got marriage, you got business, you got parenting, you got money, you got all these things that just feel abstract and out there. But you go, no, 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 it's a game. They're all games. And you go, huh? Money, I don't know, but games, I do know. <laughs> I like games. <laughs> I like games, I like great. So when you, when you have games, to win a game, what have you got to be good at? Like, what do you have to have an awareness of if you want to win a game? The opposition. Sure. What else? The rules. The rules. You can, if you don't know the rules, how are you supposed to win the game? I went to so, the people, I was them. <laughs> absolutely. So here's the thing about 
being an adult midlife, without a shadow of a doubt, you will inadvertently have found yourself in a whole bunch of games. Mm, definitely. And if you can, if you're willing to see it like that, it changes your life. You're like, my goodness, I'm not just married. I'm in a game of marriage. I'm not just a Christian. I'm in a game of being a Christian. I'm not just making money. I'm in a game of making money. I'm not just in a business. It's a game. Like there is, there are games happening all around you and other people are winning these games and you're not. Mm. And so that's dangerous. Mm. So the safety officer is like, would you be willing to review all the games you found yourself in? And as an adult, and obviously this is building on the back of, if you trust yourself and you've got an internal validation yeah. system, would you be willing to renegotiate the games you're playing? Because if you keep playing other people's games their way and keep losing, that's that's not only un, not, not very fun, it's not very safe. So uh, you're not just married. What kind of marriage do you want to have? Like people are playing all kinds of marriage games. Some people are playing the marriage game, uh, don't get divorced. That's the game. And to play that game, you can hate each other. You can sleep at opposite ends of the house. You can yep. you can you can be the most annoying person in the whole world to that person and cause them no end of suffering. Just don't get divorced, and you win the game. Mm. Or, or you could play the stay married for the kids game. I know mm. plenty of people that play that game. And so it's all a facade. It's all happy family, happy family. We love each other for the kids. Kids gone. There is there's nothing. So they've won the game. Kids didn't know that. Kids are like, oh, where'd my parents go? Oh, no, no, we were only here for you. And now you're gone. We're free to, um, you know, Kat and I, we're playing the clean space game. So the game we play in marriage is the space was clean on day one when we fell in love. There was nothing between us. How do you keep this space clean for the rest of our life? That's a fun game, but that's a game we deliberately chose to play. That didn't, no one invited us to play that game. No one told us that was the game we should play. That was the game as adults we wanted to play. And because we understand the game and we thought about the rules, we have fun playing that game and we both win playing that game. Yeah, I do. I do love hearing when you shared the rules of how you did. But if you can understand the impact of this on your overall life, it's not safe to be unclear of the games mm. and to not choose the games. Because then you think about the fact that you want to level up in business, you get to choose the game of business you, you're going to play. Some people are playing the, the, the purse with the most toys wins. Mm. You know, get, get all the expensive things in the world and show everyone how awesome you are by how much money you can have. That's the game they're playing. They play it very well. You don't have to play the game that way. But if you don't know the game you're playing, you're going to get sucked up into someone else's game and it'll violate your values mm -hmm. and cost you in more of the way. So uh, the invitation for your unconscious, well, more than the invitation, I could go, go as far as saying the demand. If you want to level up, you want to be seen and you don't know what games you're playing, no, you do not have permission, handbrake on. Yeah. Get, get clear about the game, beautiful. Let's go play. Let's go play to win. No, that's good. Actually, I have not heard you talk about it in the game sense, but for me that is actually a big light bulb because it. very real conversations like we talked earlier with people that you're playing with so that we are both on the same level field because exactly. moment, in, you know, and we all do in our head where the other person doesn't even know they played a role. Exactly. Yep. Mm -hmm. For sure. <laughs> um, dangerous. And yeah. the final, final piece is, is the avatar required to play the game. So trust is one 
upgrade operating system to gamification three and avatar four. So avatar is a, is a Hindu word meaning the embodiment of an ideal or persona. So it just means can you embody the person who can win the game you're playing? So you want to play the game of leadership, servant leadership, generous leadership, or can you show up looking like that that woman? Can you be that person? Or are you play are you are you showing up to play basketball wearing your netball skirt? Because <laughs> no one's going to take you seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No matter how well you play basketball, if you're not dressed like a basketball player, it's a weird experience. Yes. From one basketball to another, yes, it is. <laughs> so, and it's definitely <laughs> yeah, and you would have seen as you as you got into fitness, you had to not just play the game of fitness, you had to dress like a fit person. Mm-hmm. You had to you had to eat like a fit person. You had to embody a fit person. You had to be a fit person before you had any right to be a fit person. Yeah. You can't wait until you've got the results until you be a fit person. You've got to start there now. Mm-hmm. Get some jinky. Like yeah. look like you're in the game. Yeah. Otherwise, no. it's dangerous. It's not you have no chance of winning. So you think about all the different games you're playing. Mm. It's not just one game. And then then the real fun of this is is having five, six, ten personas for all the different games. Yeah. Because the game of finance and business, that avatar doesn't is not a good mum necessarily or a good wife. That's huge, actually, because that's giving me permission also. I think as a mum. I really struggle with that. So that's actually really cool that I can not feel the guilt for the mum stuff when I'm out doing my travelling for business because I really struggle with that. And then I'm like, lost my identity of the whole I'm doing this business to be a good mum, you know, but actually I just have to play that role for those time and then come back and be a good mum. Yeah, safety officer says, yeah, that's it. That's the whole point. That's why we're having this conversation. That right there is dangerous because then you'll feel like when you're doing business you should be home at being a mum and when you're being mum you feel like you should be out doing business you'll be weird you don't know who you're supposed to be yeah so i I love the fact that in my wardrobe every item of clothing is attached to a different persona yeah i do i really like that and i feel that's really powerful because i know i i signal to myself who i'm being and i signal to the world who i'm being and so if i've got certainty about who Mm -hmm. i'm being then no one has any reason to doubt that i don't belong there (laughs) you're yeah. <laughs> just like, oh, well, you look yeah. like you belong there. So you, yeah. you must belong there. Great. Yeah. That is so good. That's just so much like even when you, you know, I can think I just walked the stage in convention and, you know, I always make sure I'm dressed the way, you know, and I did feel confident in that spot, but I didn't. But now having you put it in that, like, like the avatar, I realised why I was different in that spot and why when I come home, you know, there is a whole cloud of, and I know it is, everyone goes for the holiday blues, but even with business blues and stuff, it's because I then put back on different clothes and don't, or, or even the whole like, oh, that's that penny, not this penny, but actually it's okay. Like I, it's, you've just given me permission to actually not try and be the same person in every part of my life, which is, well, is actually really freeing. Like I could actually cry. <laughs> yeah, try away. It is sacred yeah, stuff and, and right? high stakes. And, and I haven't given you anything, by the way. I've just spoken. I've given your unconscious a voice. That's all I've done. I've just brought some generalizations. And so just the relief you're feeling internally to go, oh, my goodness, I can see it now. It makes sense. Mm, I have huge. a way into thinking about this. So it's your relationship with yourself, your versions of each of these things. Trust, if you're willing, hard work on each of them. But yeah. tell me, tell me it's not going to be hard not doing this work, just staying yeah. unseen and the existential angst around I've got this dream, but I can't do it and it's weird. And I don't know what I'm doing and I'm guilty and I'm frustrated and confused. 
so you lean into this framework and do the work uh it's quite extraordinary what becomes possible because then you do really get permission from your own self to go be who you want to be in the world and and to be seen and if you're seen then everyone gets the the gift that is you if you're not seen no one really yeah understands who you were or we all miss out on your gift so we all lose yeah that's 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 gold jamin that was gold uh all right so covered a lot and obviously you know there's some work to do but just the sense of having your eyes on the problem and the work how does that feel yeah i I actually honestly you know it's amazing how as you're going through the conversation you you know it's a lot to process but then just how clear i guess having rules and understanding of the processes and i don't know like it you, you can only have an emotional reaction to something when it really hits home mm. and you never know when that's going to happen. So, I, you know, yeah. And I do love, I, I don't know if it's just my personality, but I do love playing games. I did grow up playing basketball, you know. So I love now knowing the rules around my life because now I feel like I am in control again because mm. I can respect them and then I can also own them. Like, no, this is me doing business. This is me being the mum. And, you know, these are the rules that I'm going to play, you know, in marriage and hopefully find that I can win in all areas because I, I have always felt that every time I won in one area, somebody else had to go and it was and it was heartbreaking. You know, I ran a marathon and then that was the worst time in our marriage. You know what I mean? I was like, why? You know, why was that? It shouldn't be like that. You know, everyone's like, you must be so happy you were so fit. And I was like, it was probably one of the saddest times in my life. Like, it shouldn't have been like that. Um, and it's taken me three years even, you know, to now want to try again. Do you know what I mean? But I'm I'm conscious that I want the experience to be different because it was a good, there was good in it. But there was also, you know, stuff I have to learn from so that it doesn't become um, something I never do again. Because I think uh, that'd be absolutely. It. And it is something you never do again because your unconscious goes, no, you don't have permission mm. because it cost you too much. It did. It nearly did so, cost me too. No, until you up you update and then yeah. then go nuts. So, yeah. um, awesome. right. Well, thank you for, for for being willing to open up and be really honest. I'm sure lots of people have. Uh, there's there's light bulbs going on for a lot of people right now because this is a predictable midlife problem for ambitious yeah. people, I promise you. So it's not just you. Yeah, no, that's cool. Thank you very much. My pleasure. If you enjoyed that session and found yourself facing the exact same thing, you might have heard me talk about the midlife performance review test that I've just done. It's a great way of actually assessing yourself against these four things, trust, operating system, gamification, and avatar, um, and easy to break through the self-deception around it. So uh, jump on my website, jaymanfraser.com forward slash life coaching, and you'll find that test there. You'll also find some free boardroom sessions that I'm running. If you think that, yeah, that really sums you up to a T, you take the test, scores are low across those four, and you just need need some help around creating a believable plan to upgrade to do the midlife upgrade so that you can have permission to succeed in the next season of life Uh, take advantage of those midlife boardroom sessions they are free there's two you can choose from a morning session and an evening session Uh, there are people around the world so looking to you know uh, open it up to two different time zones so jaymanfraser.com forward slash life coaching and i hope you really found that useful i'll talk to you again soon